Hello everybody and welcome. This is the Midnight McBride show and this is show number 44. Woohoo! And on this show I've got my friend and the first person ever to come onto this show three times and it'll be the third show we've done on ultra running and it's Mr Gareth Kilshaw. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Good. Now we're going to call this show 127 Miles to Home and it might seem like a, an unusual title but that's what this show's all about. It is. Yeah. So, Gareth, you've been on the radio with me twice. Yeah. You're now on this show three times. And you can basically get where water can't go. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing this like special show because you've recently done a 127-mile run. You are an ultra-running champion. <laughs> uh, Thank you. Great accolade. Great yes. accolade, yeah. Now... Let's start with the run. We're gonna, we've got just lots to talk about here. And this was one of the easiest shows I've ever had to prepare for because it took me 10 minutes to rack up about 20 questions. It was easy because it's, it's my passion. It's yes, what I love that's what I was going to say. So, it's definitely your passion. Yeah. So first of all, we'll say who you did the run for because you were sponsored, weren't you? You were doing yes, it for charity. I was. I was doing it for the RNLI. Uh, as you know, recently I took a job at the Liverpool Docks yeah. uh, and it was through working there. I've seen the work that the RNLI do. Uh, a lady who works at the Docks, Nikki, also volunteers for the RNLI. So I got yeah. a good insight from her. And of course, at the time, this time, just like all charities, uh, the fundraising has gone down. The RNLI are very much... Uh, do do collections by bucket collections and being out on the street and meeting people. Yeah. So all that's gone this year, but call outs have actually gone up because when lockdowns ended, people have gone out more. They've gone to the seaside, they've gone to cliffs, yeah. open water swimming. Yeah. So the, the yeah. call outs have actually gone up where the funding's gone down. So one of the dockers, Tommy, was very keen for the docks to be affiliated with the local lifeboat station because if anything happens to any of the dockers, that's the people who'd be coming to save them. Yeah. So we talked about it, and this is when they come up with an idea of me being able to uh, do this run. It also gave me the opportunity for the next three months in work to talk about running to everybody, which... Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. you needed encouraging about that, Yeah, you? well, I needed to have an excuse to talk to them about it because not ah, many yeah. of them are runners. The RNLI is one of the charities, I put them in sort of a different category because... The people that work within the RLI risk the lives. They do. Not all charities do that. No. You know, they're risking their lives to save people. So it's um, a very valiant cause, I think. How much did you raise in the end, Gareth? We're looking around about 3,600 when everything comes in, which awesome. is fantastic. That's we exceeded had, years. Yeah, we had a target of 2,000. I think it's 2,100 kits. Uh, one of the volunteers out from head to toe to go to sea in these terrible yeah. conditions. So we was really hoping we could get that figure. So, you, you know, you could see what you'd got for the money. Yeah. Uh, but to get three, three six is, is so really So just good. for one sort of suit, one bit of kit? Yeah, you know, the jacket, pounds. the boots, yeah. The, yeah, you know. Now, we'll talk about the run you did for charity. You do other work for charity or have done other work for charity yeah. as well, which includes mine, doesn't it? Yes, it does, yeah. Yeah, yeah. again, a... Fantastic cause, Gareth. Yeah, and again, yeah. at this time, another cause that needs to be. Massively. Yeah, I think out there. everybody I know, without exception, has experienced, you know, a lack of sleep, stress, anxiety, tension, not feeling great, mood swings, mood change, because, you know, there's a lot of not going on in the world at the minute and yes. it's very uncertain. And so it's more now than ever relevant. Isn't yes, it, definitely. Know? Yeah. 
So the run you did, right. Now, this is when it gets interesting. You did 127 miles. Now, when the pre-show chat, I talked about, from my experience, this then puts you, it's a very unusual distance, and I'll explain why. 50 miles, 100 miles. You're doing it in one hit, like the Testo 100 yes. you've done, and you've done many times. Or you go up to, then you jump up, and you can go up to 180, 215, bigger distances. But what you do then, they've done over four days, and you're factoring small amounts of sleep. Again, yeah. you know about this, because you've you've attempted yeah. the GB Ultra on a number of occasions yeah. as well. The 127, you ran it as a, a single run. So no sleep factored in. You're doing 127 miles in one go. And, wait for it. You brought your 24-hour 100-mile. I did, yeah. Bingo. Yeah. That, that was uh, a special moment, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, whatever happened after that sort of became irrelevant. Obviously, yeah. you want to finish. Yeah. But that I know for a while that had been your goal. Yes. And, it, and there is not many people that have done that. You know, no. it's a serious achievement, that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this 127 miles, let's start with the route. So the route you did. Now, I know the initial route you were doing, it was a flat, which you weren't crazy about. Yeah. For lots of reasons at the moment, it's probably good. And you're running solo. Yes. You know, so you don't really want to be stuck on the top of the Brecon Beacons doing your 100 mile on your own. No. You know, uh, you're doing a flat run. But you also, it was going to be the Leeds to Liverpool route. Now, maybe tell us about the original route and then tell us how that changed. Yeah. Well, the Leeds to Liverpool canal sort of has a love-hate relationship with me. I've done a lot of training on there. Like, when I've come, when I did my first, when I first started getting into ultras, I used to run up and down there, and I did my actual first ultra distance on there. Yeah, I just went out, run twenty six miles one way, turn around and run back. So it's always been there, and when when I do any of my long training in the week, I'm always up and down it. Um, where I live, the Lee branch leads on to the leads to Liverpool Canal. Yeah, I'm working in Liverpool at the docks, and my daughter lives in Leeds. So when I'm thinking of what to do for this run, this springs to mind. And it's something I've always said I'd like to do. Is your branch the Bridgewater Canal? Yes, it, it is. Ah, yeah. right. I know where you are. Yeah. yeah. So that's why it, it just stuck in my mind that I'd do that. I'd run from my works to my daughter, and that's where we was going to go. Obviously, uh, things got in the way of that, and we had to make sure we have to follow the guidelines and we have to make sure that we, we stick to the rules. So because lockdown yeah. was coming in, literally – the weekend before the run. I mean, they just held off another weekend, but... Highly inconvenient. Yeah. <laughs> but we had already factored this in and we did have Very a contingency yeah. plan. So as all ultra runners absolutely love an out and back, yeah. I thought that I would plan three out, three out and backs. This is the thing with an out and back. Until you've done it at that distance, you don't understand. Even with a 50, if you're running... My first ever run also was the Canal of Fall, yeah. which was a 25, 24 out, 25 back, whatever. I think it was a 47-mile run, but I actually got lost, so it was a 50-mile <laughs> yeah. run. And my, originally, the thing that got me into ultra running was the Leeds-Liverpool canal race. You know, that yes. was my aspiration, but I never ended up doing it because I started running with you guys, yeah. you know. The thing about an out-and-back is, for me, I like doing a big loop. Yeah, me too. That's that's the way I like to run. I don't like doing laps, you know, which you've yeah. done a lot of. Yeah. And an out and back is soul destroying because you get halfway and instead of having a change of scenery and you're moving in one direction and you focus forward, you get to a point you think, oh my God, I've got to do that again. Yeah. And you're going back and it's psychologically seeing the same landmarks and it just seems further. Yeah. Every step you take forward, you know, you've got to take that step back. 
which yeah. in any walk of life is is, is a quite a, a, a strange concept. But it was the way that it could work the best. So I could start from home, which I also liked the concept of starting from home and also including the Bridgewater Canal, the Lee Branch, because literally that is my, my stomping ground. What you cleverly did with this run is, because I know you wanted to make sure you followed the guidelines, and that was... You started from your house and you finished at your house. Yeah, that, and that brilliant. Yeah, that was fantastic because as much as it had been good to go all the way to Leeds, that had been a long car journey home yeah. for everybody, for the girls, you know, my crew. They they would have been up and you know for quite some time sleeping in the car and stuff like that. So for the whole of us, you know, that hour back from Leeds would have been quite quite a journey. Where yeah. I just walked in the house and started my recovery <laughs> straight away. Yeah, stick the kettle on, Kaza. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what we decided to do is so that it minimised the amount of time the crew had to come out to me. So we would cut down on the checkpoints, but they could also stay at home and just travel from home to the certain points to meet me. Brilliant. So that then they were out all the time following me along. Yeah. So we started from home, run to Wigan, which is the Lee branch, and that's where it joins up with the Leeds to Liverpool Canal. That was the first bit of the out and back. And then I wasn't to do that back bit till right at the end. That that would be the end loop. So then I turned to go to the next out and back, which was actually 35 miles out, 35 miles back. So a 70 mile out and back, which... Not nice. I, yeah, I'm not <laughs> sure if that's a record. Mm -hmm. <laughs> see, at the end of the test of the 100, there's an out and back, and you sort of, I don't know, 96 miles in. And then yeah. the last four miles, yeah. you throw it in, and it seems like forever, doesn't yeah. it, you know? Yeah. The other thing which is... You know, you did the right thing, I think. Because you left home and finished at home. Imagine you're doing a 127-mile run and you get 115 miles in and somebody comes along and says, I'm sorry, sir, but you can't do yeah. it. Yes. It would be soul-destroying, yeah. wouldn't it? This would also explain with what you're saying about your route now, which is far more complicated than the original straight line. Yes. Is why on the Saturday I could not find you on the GPS. <laughs> no. And I even even know it took me a while to figure out which direction you were going in, but I hadn't seen the the route beforehand because yeah. you changed it, you know, fairly late on. Yeah. But what I did manage to do is on the Sunday is just come and just run a very small section with you. Yeah. A, a mile or two miles. And I was, I felt really privileged. It was nice. Yeah. It, uh, it was like, lovely to see you. And, you know, I'd seen quite a few people had popped up just to say hello on the route. I yeah. did have my pacer at night, Johnny, who, who was fantastic and definitely uh, one of the reasons I got the sub-24. He uh, he was fantastic. He pushed me just enough, but without tiring me out too much. He let yeah. me lead, but led me gently. Uh, everything yeah. that you need. He was a really good guy. I mean, you, you did it comfortably, though. It was 20, uh, 23 and a half, wasn't yes. it? Yes, yeah. yeah. So that's, yeah. that's a nice buffer zone, yes. isn't it? Yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. I don't think anybody until you've, I mean, if you haven't run 50, you can't begin to imagine. If you haven't run 100, forget it. Even when you've done 100, to then go past that without factoring in the sleep, the dark places you're going to go to. Yeah. It's, I saw you and on the Sunday and I could clearly see you were weathered and tired. <laughs> yes. But under the circumstances, you look remarkably well. Yeah. I, I, I was coming out the other side at that point. Uh, as I say, Johnny paced me through the night. Uh, he lived in Blackburn, so he met me. He met me near Bursco. He'd come a bit earlier when we looked like we was going to get the 100 on. He actually come down. He was supposed to meet me at Wigan, and he come to Bursco so that we could push on to get to get the time. And he, as I say, he really helped me with that. And then we got to Blackburn, and he went. And so it was half five in the morning. 
I sat down in the car, which was the first time I'd sat down since setting off at six o'clock on the Saturday morning. I hadn't actually sat down at all up to that point. I'd, I'd literally yeah. had one other major pit stop, which was about 10 minutes when I got into my night gear, but I didn't sit down to do that. And then he left me and Nicola come and joined me. But then it was like, as we set back off, it was six o'clock in the morning. And now I work nights. I finish work at six o'clock in the morning. Everything was saying to me, it's time for bed, Gareth. <laughs> and I was actually saying to Nicola, I could just lie down in that mud for five minutes. <laughs> she, obviously, as you know, Nicola, she was not having any of that. Yeah. And, and I knew she wouldn't, and I wouldn't have done it, but I could have, it looked so comfy. A big pile of mud on the floor looked like the most comfiest bed I've so, ever seen. Sometimes this wonderful, as in the Chester 100, this wonderful, beautiful this oasis halfway, <laughs> 50 mile pit stop where it's nice and warm, they've got nice food, yeah. isn't your friend. No. Sometimes I also think that you want to you wanna get as much of that distance out in one it or while you're still moving as you can because yeah. once you stop for a pit stop, especially the latter stage, very hard to get going again, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. You've got to dig deep. Yeah. Uh, and we did for about an hour, and maybe an hour and a half, we, we were really slow. I was really tired. You know, I, I, I was out. But I knew I could dig in and I could push on. There was no way I wasn't going to finish the race. Uh, the, you know, I just had to do that. Apart from anything else, uh, going back into the canteen with all the dockers would have been... <laughs> 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 yeah. they, they would have let me know I hadn't finished yeah, it. Put it that on, way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, they, were all tr they were all following me on the tracker. Uh, I know. The yeah, I was girl. as well. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, I just knew, and I was getting lots of support, a lot of support from the GB Ultra community, a lot of support from the wider community and some lovely messages. And then after about an hour and a half, I come back round. I got picked up. Now, my feet had swollen, swollen at this point because just constantly pounding on the flat. It's not what I'm used to. I'm used yeah. to changing the direction yeah. of my feet yeah. up and down. So that was a new phenomenon to me. But I knew we could get on. And we, we actually started getting some good running back in then. And, you know, we, we could put together some good some bits of running. Uh, so, yeah, it was good. And it was good for me to go there and come out the other side and push on and see what I was capable of, you know. Yeah. I, I got a lot out of the, of the experience. When you see the sun come up on the second day, yeah. and you've made it through the night, it's almost like the daylight and the night reflects your mood because the night is dark, you know. Yeah. And then the sun's come up and you think, I'm going to do this, I've yeah. got this. And you start to believe in yourself again, yeah. and you've got it's back on, isn't it? Botany Bay um, was just like a thing I knew because me and Nicola had run out to Botany Bay before we'd, we'd run home from there so she knew where that was and everything so the bit from Blackburn to Botany Bay was quite dark but when we got there we seen that and we sort of like oh, back in familiar surroundings we yeah, know that yeah. was that was like a moment where we're like yeah we know what we're doing now we know yeah. where we're going let's, on the let's, home stretch yes, kind of thing yeah, yeah. yeah. the other thing I think a misconception which I learned because my first race was flat if you're doing repetitive road running on a flat surface or a canal run on a path, slightly different, but you end up, you get a whole other set of problems and, and joint aches and injuries that you don't get when you're using the different muscles and different movements on trail. It's easier on the, the cardio on the lungs, yes. you know, because you're not pushing up hills, obviously, but it's not so friendly on your body. Your body likes yeah. range of movement, doesn't yes. it? Yes, most yeah. definitely, yeah. yeah. I know from running on the flat myself, I mean, I still do some running on the flat and it's it's nice. It's like an yeah. easy day. It's yeah. nice. But put it on a long distance, it, 
the flat's not your friend. No, no. not at all. And uh, two times that that was proven. As I was going into Bursco on the night, uh, it was starting to get dark. It, it was a bit where I, I, I wasn't feeling the best, but I, I had such excruciating pain in my calves, coming up my calves and in my feet. Like, and I was like, I just don't know what to do. And I was trying to get to, to the checkpoint to the girls in Bursco. And then I realized I had to stop and take a moment because I was too focused on trying to get to the checkpoint, which just seemed to be moving further and further away. That was playing with my mind. And I needed just to stop and reset for a moment and have a yeah. look. And I sat down on this big rock and I just lay back for a second. And then I sat back up and I looked down at my feet and as my laces, because my feet are swollen and my shoes were quite new. So they hadn't worn as much as some of the others. So they hadn't relaxed and I probably haven't loosened them as many times as the others were too tight. And I undid them and it was like, ah. Uh, uh, it can be painful, can't oh, it? It, yeah. it was painful, but... That pain all just went. My mood changed totally. It didn't matter how far Bursco was now because the further Bursco was, the closer Wigan was. Mm. So, because that was eating the miles away. So if it was 10 miles to Bursco, that meant it was only eight miles to Wigan where it was, ah, oh, Bursco's never, all that just changed. And, and yeah. that's what you've got to remember. You're going to go in them dark places, but some, you have to sometimes just reset that. And that and that's the real difficult part to know when to do that and when to, you know, most people, you wouldn't want to stop, but just that two-minute stop on that rock yeah. changed the whole aspect. Sometimes, because you have to, with your mind, learn how to override pain when you're doing ultra running because yes. you're going to experience some pain and discomfort. And so by doing that... Sometimes you're not actually aware of the sensations in your body and stuff. Yeah. And you can be suffering for quite a while before you figure out what it is that's bothering you. Yeah. And exactly the same thing. If I do over a certain distance, my feet swell a bit. And I've learned that I actually have to set off and about an hour and a half, two hours in, I have to loosen my laces a little yeah. bit and stuff like that. These are little things you learn. Yeah. And if your shoes are too tight, sometimes it took me so long to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, and I was in major discomfort and I didn't know what it was and it was my feet. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, same, same. How many pit stops did you actually have, Gareth? Five, I think, in total. But really, three of them were just to pick up water. Yeah. And there, there was the change into night clothes at night, which was about a 10-minute one. And the one in the morning was about 15 minutes. And that was it. Or maybe a bit less than that. So you didn't do your your hour in the 50-mile marker like I did at the Chester 100. No, no. <laughs> and no. I had hot food and <laughs> yeah. listened to some music. <laughs> I, I had a pop noodle, um, mm. which my nutritionist, the night before she, she contacted me, my nutritionist was brilliant. She actually planned, the first time I'd ever had this, she actually planned what I was going to eat from mile naught to 15 to 15 onwards. So literally, I just got a bag and I had everything in that I had to eat in that time. But she told me that I could have this pot noodle, but she told me not to tell anyone ever that she'd <laughs> recommended a pot noodle to somebody. What, what's she called, guys? Lauren Bond. Uh, she's uh, she's me. She's me PT's uh, wife. Right. Uh, she's a PT in her own right, uh, but she's also a very good nutritionist. Yeah. Because when we talked before you did the run, when we did the show, the pre-show, you were saying that you'd had to sort of change your diet pre Pre this event, this 127 mile run, change your diet with what you were eating because you thought you had it all figured out, but actually the advice we're getting now is that maybe there were some things that you needed to change. Yeah. 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 The, the refined sugar all went, so the Harry Bowes gone. Then you're not going, hey, ho, yeah, hey, exactly. Ho. The Coke, 
which were things you sort of knew. Like last year, I I, I moved away a lot from having the coke at, at the uh, checkpoints because I knew you'd have the coke, you'd go off all up bright, then you'd crash. And also that wasn't good because you'd just done your pit stop yeah. and it's a long time to your next one. Yeah. So you're crashing at the wrong time. You're like Speedy Gonzales for 30 minutes. Yeah. And, and then your feet feel like lead after that, yeah. don't they? So she really worked hard on that with me and gave me alternatives, apricots. Uh, there's a high five, uh, little like jelly top things that, that do yeah. the same, but not with a, not the refined sugar in. And I think on my first ultra, what I did is I did it all on gels. Yeah. And of course, you get sort of your 12, 14, 16 gels in and you, you start throwing up. Yeah. So you, you've got to vary it, haven't you? Vary yeah. it. I learned that from you. Yeah. I'd have my tailwind. Yeah. But then I'd also have different kinds of snacks and my gels. Yes. And mix it up. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's what you do. You find what works for you. But getting the extra advice and someone who, who knew you know, who worked specialised in that field and, and worked and looked at it. And for them to, to plan what I was eating, roughly, we changed a few things around at what time. So she had me having the uh, pot noodle at tea time and the, the pasta pot later on. We swapped them around so I'd have something cold, the pasta pot yeah. earlier and the pot noodle warm later on. Uh, just them tiny things. But to have someone say to me, this is what you'll eat, you don't have to think about it. You eat this bag from this mile yeah, north to 15. Yeah. You eat this bag from this. was brilliant. And one of the things she brought in was uh, beetroot shots. Now, I have been using beetroot for a bit, the juice, but to actually use the shots. So I had one 30 minutes before the race started, and then I had one every six hours. It's a superfood, isn't it, beetroot? Yeah, yeah. And, and the shots really did. For me, they do sit tiny heavy on my stomach, but for a very brief period. So it's worth the payoff yeah. and you definitely do feel a, a big with with Ironman and with ultra racing as well um when you're really tired if when you, there's the least decisions you've got to make the better because yes. you make bad decisions yes I, I certainly did you know I mean I made so many mistakes when I got to the back of the Ironman and with the ultras you've got to you plan everything beforehand and then yeah. you're 70 miles in it all goes out the window yeah and you, yeah. you think I don't feel like that I'll eat this this will be all right yeah and, or you don't eat anything and yes. you plummet. yeah you know. Yeah, that's it. And I mean, I'm very lucky. Um, I feel weird saying this, but the team I had around me, because I've got a team, but the, the, the people, yeah, yeah, the people I had around Carol, me, <laughs> yeah, uh, were just fantastic. And Nicola coached me this time, and this is the first time I've had a coach, but that was so good because it didn't do any empty miles. So I was going out doing one hour 45 runs with some interval training in that, and I was. I was getting what I'd normally get out of a four or five hour training session in. So it fitted yeah. in with my life better, but that also, sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. But, but also you knew you could go out and do that. And, and it, it was so specific. It really, really helped. And again, like you said, someone saying to me, this is what you'll run this week. There you go. You don't have to mm. think about it. Mm. And it, the, the 12 week training block with everyone come together and work together with the PT and everything, just made me so ready for the race and, and, and my recovery afterwards was brilliant and with the Rixo, with the with the products. As you were saying before about the different different bits of your body, my right knee flared up slightly, not a thing I've ever had before, uh, but luckily if you work with a recovery company, they might have some things knocking about. So they yeah. had a prototype, that the China knee calf, which they, yeah. they rush around to me. And uh, yeah, so I iced my knee. Well, that was brilliant. I think when you have got a team around you like that with people 
taking care of certain elements that are experts in that, you know, your training plan, your diet, what you're actually eating on race day as well, or doing yeah. the race and stuff. It means that you as the athlete, you can just focus on doing the run. Yes. You know, your mind's not, because there's a lot to think about, isn't there? Yeah. You know, yeah. a lot going on. Tell us a little bit about, I mean, I also, I know you used to be a big fan of marzipan. Did that have to go? That's gone, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I'd even had a bit of that. Yeah. There we go. Tell us a bit about the kit, Gareth, because I know from my experience, when I first started running to what I do now, the kit, you go through like this evolution of kit and you think, oh, that'll do. And then it's not good enough and you need better kit and better yeah. kit. So for a run of this distance... Maybe run us through the basics of the kit you've got with you, and and you can be quite specific about it. Yeah, well, the first part really um, was my normal kit, my shorts. Uh, I'm one person that always likes to wear a base layer because because yeah. I do suffer with a bit of a chest infection. I pick up on the long runs, so I'm conscious to keep my chest warm. So I always wear a base layer, a thin base layer, and build up round that. So my kit for that was pretty much standard to what I normally have. My so Solomon Speed Cross Trail, I always stick with them, even though people go, well, did you not go for road because it was flat? Yeah. It, they, what, they suit me and they suit my feet, so I, that's what I stay with. I, I was always amazed by that because even when you're doing road running or long flat runs, you still wore those trainers, which are, they're, they're a, uh, an out-and-out -out trail trainer, aren't yes. they? You know? Yeah. And they have big lugs on the bottom yeah. as well. And I didn't get on with those, but now, like you, I have a particular pair of trainers that I wear, and I wear them for everything now yeah. because I just get on with them. Yeah, I found them. I found them. Yeah, you know the golden slipper. Yeah, and that is that is the thing. Why why would you change people? Oh, we why they they work for me. So why would I change anything else? And my feet know how they are working them. They they know how I feel. So yeah, I I always use them. Uh, and as I say, I always use a base layer, and I always I have my coat as. I have my coat, not only for when it rains, for when it gets cold, I always yeah. think a coat makes you feel right. It puts that outer hard yeah. shell on. You can, you may get warm inside and you may sweat, but if you keep it warm and you've got yeah. all this warmness, keeps you warm. I think maybe the wind, when you start a race, the wind is your friend, it keeps you cool. Yeah. When you get to the latter stages and your body cools down and you slow down, the wind's not your friend. No. And that's when these, you know, windproof, weatherproof coats yeah. come in, you know. And then... As we turn to night, I've learned over the time, you are going to slow down. There is going to be more walking involved. So I, I swapped my kit for a heavier kit. So my base layer, I've now moved up to a Montane, um, yeah. the, the Merino wool, thicker base layer goes on. And also my coat changes to a thicker waterproof coat. Yeah. Uh, maybe people would think it was slightly too heavy. It's not... It's not thick by any means standard, but thicker than your normal running yeah. coat. Because, again, you, I feel if you can keep your core warm, then that's half the battle. You're not worrying about that, and that's not taking your mind off the job in hand, which is covering the miles. I mean, at night, you, the temperature drops. You slow down a bit. You te your temperature's yeah. going to drop. And yeah. all of a sudden, it's a different ball game, isn't it? Yeah, you know? yeah. Something I was going to ask you is when you carry your pack, yes. you know, when you're doing a, a race, most races you have mandatory kit. Yes. And I'll do a check with you. Because this is driven by yourself, did you not, and, and obviously you've got people at certain points and stuff, could you take slightly less kit with yeah. you? Yeah, no map, no compass. Yeah. You know, I mean, 
I don't know if on a canal race they make you take a map. They did when I did it. Yeah, I can imagine because it's... And a, I did get lost. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's, let's brush over <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. If you've got the canal next to you, though, you know I'm going right. I know. At which point did you think there's no water there? I've taken somebody with me to show them how I got lost. <laughs> and when I explained it, they actually understood it's where you cross the road and the canal, it's in Hebden Bridge, and that you cross the road to the canal, and but you can't see the path on that side of the road, so you assume it's further up the road. And two miles up the road, I thought, I've lost the canal. <laughs> <laughs> so just... it's, it's it's feasible. Yeah, uh, maybe. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I stripped down to just the basics that I need. You know, so I would always carry a baby bag. Yeah, I would always have a baby bag with me. I would always have a light with me. So, you know, I didn't take me heavy head torch till I got that off the girls later, but I had my light head torch because I knew that would take me through yeah. some little bits. Coat, I always have. Yeah. And just at first aid kit. So yeah. just the basics, what you what I, what I take out on every run, some toilet paper. The, the <laughs> well, yes. of course, the, the luxury of having a crew means that, for example, when I've done certain <laughs> races, you, you can, at certain checkpoints, leave additional bags, you know, yes. like uh, the halfway point, for example. So you could change your trainers or your kit or anything like this. But you have to preempt and predict what you're going to need. Yeah. And you can't change your mind and it, it's it's set in stone. Yeah. With having a crew, you can say, actually, at 70 miles, I'm not feeling this. My trainers are, I want those trainers, I want this. Yeah. You can, it can, you can let the race naturally evolve and adapt with yeah. the crew. You can. And... And like you say about the drop bag, so we looked at Wigan for changing into the night gear. If that had been a, a, a race, they probably would have done Wigan as your drop bag area. Yeah. We changed it Bursco because that's the time I got there. It changed, it altered. Now, that's because I've got my crew. We can alter that. But if you're waiting for your drop bag, so I know at Chester, 100, where the drop bag is, the second drop bag there, a lot of people had the night gear there, but were already going through the night before they got to that night gear. Yeah. Because it, they can only put them in certain places, yeah. but, you know, if it's not gone as well as you thought, or it's you've not realised 67 miles is a long way to the drop back, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. it's so... And it, it's guesswork, isn't it? You can yes. think, well, I know <laughs> I should be there at this time, and it's going to be this o'clock, and this is the kit I'm going to need. Yeah. But you may go faster, you may go slower. Yeah, well, yeah. You'll go slower. Yeah, <laughs> You're not yeah. going to go fast. Yeah, yeah, no. No. So a big shout out to Nicola Bruce. And yes, of course. And she prepared your training plan for this event. Didn't she, she did. I yeah. say event, it's your event. It's yeah. nobody else doing it. But Yeah, and, I won. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I, I need to do it then. Yeah. <laughs> First place, brilliant. <laughs> but uh, Nicola's been pivotal in, because I've seen you do the races and I've known you for a couple of years now and, you seemed to be really on it with this. The training, the diet, yeah. on the day, you almost seemed to take it in your stride, this race. Yeah. Like I say, there was some dark places, but no, I, I felt really good about it. I felt coming into it, I felt good. I felt like I'd trained right. I, I really wanted it. I'm really looking forward to the event. And yeah, it, it all just went really well. And I enjoyed it, you know, mm. after a year of being ups and downs and no running and thing. it was so nice to just get out there get out there doing them miles uh, find the love for the sport that I have yeah. you know and 
100 miles or 100 plus miles is my distance i know that that's that's what i like i like i love the night running i love i love that bit where you know it all goes dark or yeah. it all goes to shit a little bit yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you have to and you have to get through that and push on and i just i, I just love all them elements i'd say i'd say that's one of the reasons why we do it is to test yourself yes. isn't it? it's to push yourself yeah you know that's when you grow and evolve as a human being when you push yourself definitely yeah. i couldn't believe when you came to the studio today because i know and i've got pictures of me after i did the chester 100 and i was a mess i wasn't good for about a week it was, it was difficult just getting up and down the stairs. I didn't feel great. I wasn't sleeping well. I was all over the place. You came in and went, hi. And you look, you look healthy. You look, you've got, you know, you're shining basically. You're full of colour and you look great. So the recovery, this part of your journey, which is just important, it's all the rest yeah. of the stuff, you must have that down. Yeah, I, I am um, working with Excel. Yeah. And I'll just say a statement to you as well. We're not getting paid no. for anything here. The fact is, this is a company you're working alongside with and you're developing the products. Yes. And so we're going to talk about them because I don't know everything, but also about the technology, what, yeah. what they do. Yeah. Yeah. And not just the products. Uh, the the owner, Cameron, he's helped me and designed stretches, uh, calf recovery, active recovery for me. So yeah. he designed, designed a program for me to work to, uh, even down to after my normal runs, doing a, a walk, a cool down, stuff, you know, so he's, he's opened my eyes to that side of stuff. We're, we're really bad. Ultra runners, well, all runners are really bad at stretching. I never stretch. <laughs> stretching. <laughs> never stretch. Recovery, cooling down. We all just want to go out the door, run, come back, carry it, get on with our life. So on the money, yeah. yeah and, but it is, it's as big as part of anything. And I think this whole journey has, has shown me that. And, with the training with Nicola, with the nutrition, with the PT, seeing all them elements, you need to to push yourself and keep going further, not to damage your body. You need to be taking these people's advice and you need to be going on. You've sort of approached this very professionally, haven't you? Yes, you know, I've tried to, with, yeah. With the team. I think maybe if you speak to Rick so, am I saying that right? Rick yeah, so, Rick so, yeah. yeah. Um, and see if they make me a full body suit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that... that that is where they're going, that they're looking at all different elements because they strongly believe in the, the power of ice and the power of heat and compression yeah. to help muscles aid the blood flow to, to you know, to, to, to restrict them, to restrict the veins, to open them back up, to get the blood flowing in and out. Uh, they really believe that is the way to help recovery. Founded in a in a very strong background of you know sports and yeah. you know and knowledge. On the last show, you brought some bits with you that we had looked at, and these were compression um, socks for they go between your ankle and your knee. Yeah, but I'd worn them previously for Ironman when I did the running Ironman. Yeah, they were worn during the event. Yes, these are uh, you put them on and they have like ice packs in. Yes, uh, or cool pads or packs that you yeah. put in the fridge. Put them on. And you wear them after the event, don't Yeah, you? straight after. So because I finished at home, I literally come straight in before I had a shower or anything, put them on for 20 minutes. They've got ice packs in that are frozen. And for that 20 minutes, that compresses and cools and restricts the blood flow. Then you take them off and that thing, then I go and get a nice hot shower. Yeah. That has the opposite effect. And also you can use them for heat. And as I say, I was lucky enough that when my knee was hurting, 
Richard come straight round the next day and drop me off. Uh, now it's a prototype, so it was you know yeah. it's it's a bit basic, but it definitely did the job. And that 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 had ice round the kneecap. Yeah. So the, the kneecap come through, so there's nothing on the kneecap but ice round it. So it's compressing the ice round the kneecap exactly where you need it, and because it's compressing, so it's doing two jobs in one. Uh, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they go with it and yeah. the other products they bring out. It sounds like, I mean, when you say prototype, it sounds like NASA or the Bionic Man, <laughs> yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. You know? and, uh, well, that's exciting. When you're uh, in uh, the ground floor with a product in that yeah. stage of development, that's exciting. Yes, definitely. Know? Yeah, yeah. Gareth, now we'll talk about GB Ultras. A big shout out to Wayne and the team. Yeah. And I've recently got some new kit, Bob Hat, and um, a technical T-shirt and, and various other stuff. Yeah. They've generally this year been doing virtual races. I haven't done any. I'm very busy and also I, I do like a lot of running on my own and I like the events when, you know, you obviously yes. you meet people. They aren't happening at the minute, unfortunately. So they've been doing the, the virtual races. Yeah. Now, you've actually, due to your commitments, and it's a big undertaking to do it, you've stepped back from being a GB Ultras ambassador now. I it? have, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know you've done it for a couple of years and it's, it's a, probably a wonderful experience. I know because... I was on the end of being the punter saying, Gareth, answer my questions, please. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really enjoyed my time doing it. It's just, I think the time is right now. Uh, I'm focusing on other things. Yeah. Um, me and Nicola will be focusing on next year. We, you know, we'll be looking at maybe starting a little business within, within the running community, you know, doing some guided runs and, and stuff like that. Nicola's looking at doing the coaching. So we don't want any conflict of interests, we, you know. Um, I also think they've, they've brought some new ambassadors on. Uh, there's new people. It's nice to breathe fresh air into the business. Yeah, it's yeah, nice for them yeah, to yeah. take it in another way. Uh, we're very good friends. Wayne's excellent. I mean, he, he loaned me a tracker, as he always yeah, does. Yeah. Uh, he's always on hand to give me some advice. I, I will be speaking to him very soon for some advice about where we might go with the business, me and Nicola. Yeah. So we're very good friends, and it, Anything that he ever needs, he knows he only has to ask. Uh, yeah. Just things, times change, don't they? And people want different things out of life. A mate of mine, Brett Parker, has done a few runs for charity and Wayne has lent them trackers yeah. also. And he also gave me a technical T-shirt as well, which is very kind. So, yeah, really grateful. Yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's a lovely man. And uh, I, I thank him. He... he Brought me into the sport as such as as I was just coming into the sport. He helped nurture my my love and my interest. I've been to some wonderful places with him. We've uh, we've had some cracking weekends away. We've seen some excellent places, and we will again. There's no doubt yeah. about that. We we know we'll do stuff together again. And just a small thing which we didn't come in the pre-show chat, but I want to mention is, and this might inspire people at home, is the fact that. You used to smoke, didn't you? I, I did, yeah. People I, find that hard to believe. Yeah, because I used to smoke. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was just after I'd stopped smoking and I'd gone to the electric sig that my brother taught me into doing a ten k. And he probably said you'll have to give up the e sig. So that went out the window, and I, I took up running to 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 do the ten k, and it's gone from there. And yeah. I don't think Carol speaks to my brother now. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, but, she blames him totally yeah. no no but no matter where you are in life and you think oh it's too late for me and this is my lot and i can't make change you can start right now make some good yeah. decisions i say one good decision followed <clears throat> by another the definition of a successful life is simply this one good decision followed by another because when you make two good decisions in succession you've then 
you have a new direction, you've changed direction, it's a new path. And you can be smoking, you can be drinking, you can be eating unhealthy. You can change it all tomorrow, yes. you know, because my life, as a lot of people know, was a mess for a long time. And it's not perfect, but it's a lot better now. Yeah, you know? that's yeah. it. And then finally, Gareth, what I'd like to talk to you about is what's next for Gareth Kilshaw? Now, there's two aspects to this. One is potentially where you might be in a few years yeah. from now, which is exciting. And also maybe with the running, now you've got this big race, this achievement out the way, what are your plans running-wise as well? You know, personally goals and things. Yeah. So maybe those two. Yeah. So we are hoping to move to Scotland. We were hoping maybe in a year's time, but we th we're bringing that forward. We've actually put the house on the market and we're looking at going uh, as soon as we've sold yeah. up. Uh, yeah. And then we hope then to maybe, as I say, start a small business with Nicola, yeah. uh, do some guided runs, take people on the hills, show s small individual groups the love of running, the love of ultra running that I've yeah. had, uh, that Nicola's got, our passion. We'll take them on, on places that we know, that we love to go to, uh, and, and hopefully introduce people to this. And obviously, uh, maybe show them some lovely parts of Scotland. Yeah, I've got to say, Scotland is sort of ultra runners Eden, isn't it? It's heaven, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's one of the most beautiful parts, I think, especially as you get past Edinburgh and go up towards the top of Scotland in the UK. You know, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And there's lots of canals up there, Gareth, and locks. Yes, yeah. You know, yeah. and hills and yeah. all it's the, the hills like. we're going for, the yeah. hills. Yeah. Uh, and as for me, um, as, as I mentioned prior, 100 miles is, is the distance. So I, I will be doing lesser miles, but I think any race-wise, that will tend to be figuring around the 100 or 100 plus. Uh, and then there's a couple of projects that I've got coming off that may be considerably a lot longer. Yeah. Uh, and we'll work on them. But one of them we think will take 18 months to get to the level and to be comfortable to take on the take on the challenge. But the, there'll be more personal challenges I've got some races like you that's rolled yeah. over from last year. Yeah. If they go ahead next year, I'll, I will be doing them. There's a couple of good hundreds in there. Yeah. If not, then we'll carry on with the personal challenges. But then going forward, I think there'll mainly be personal challenges. That's yeah. what we like to do. We like to get out there. Well, you know. I think you've churned out enough 50s and 100s now where you're at a point where you need to look at sort of bespoke one-off projects yes. you know, with, yeah. with your team. Yeah, you know? I, and it's funny you should say that because what I thought was amazing is Nicola, I brought Nicola in to join me earlier. Uh, there was supposed to be another person met me in the morning and they couldn't, for one reason or another, they couldn't turn up. You don't up. need that on race day, do you? No, so, but I knew Nicola, so I just said mm. to Nicola, right, you'll have to meet me in Blackburn and you'll have to run the 30-odd miles back with me. And she was like, yeah. And that's, I suppose that's what I'm saying. Where you, when you know you're at a level where someone can just say, just come and run 30 miles with me in the morning and you yeah, say, yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah. Then, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I, I know with Ironman, on the morning of Ironman, um, I had arrangements and plans and that didn't go how it was supposed to. And on race day, you really need whatever's that structure you've got in place, that routine, yeah. the plan, any variation on that on race day ain't good, is it? No, no. no. And I know obviously things happen. Obviously. Yes. Yeah, but, of course. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I was panicking on the morning of Iron Man because <laughs> yeah. things didn't go according to plan. Yeah. Gareth, as always, it's an absolute bloody pleasure to have you on the show. Ah, it's lovely to be here. I love doing the show with you. I love talking to you. It's a passion of mine. And, you know, now we've 
come this far on the journey and become friends and I still, you inspire me and I love to talk to you and I still like to get tips and picture brains whenever I can. Oh, so thank you. Yeah. Well, you'll be one of the first guests up to Scotland when we're up there. Absolutely. Um, we'll have you out. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Okay, folks, thanks for watching. I'm going to leave you with a quote now from a book from Pills to Peace and it's relevant to Gareth because he's an inspiration and this quote is simply this. If you never give up, it's impossible to fail. If you keep going and going and going, and no matter what, you never give up, it's impossible to fail. You can catch this show on YouTube every week. We've now gone back up to two shows a week and a few of the projects that are about to go on the YouTube channel as well. Three days after this show goes live, it then goes out as an audio podcast on Spotify, iTunes and Podbean. You can catch me on the radio every Monday night on Salford City Radio 94.4 FM. You can go to my website, midnightmcbride.com. You can buy the book on Amazon and you can also get it as a Kindle version and an audio book now on Audible and ACX. And you can catch me on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook. It's been my pleasure and I'll see you next time. Shalom.